You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. All right, well, good morning. Good being with you guys. Good, good, good being with you. Well, hey, we're continuing on in our Gospel of John series called Truth for Life. And so excited to be able to do that. Just want to remind you that what kind of season we're in. We're in a, a, a fall kickoff season as a lot of new ministries are starting up and being strengthened. And uh, we're as well kind of in this opportunity where we're looking back. We got September marks our nine-year anniversary as a church. And so been excited about kind of what, how, where God has us right now. I think as well, it's kind of like a build-up uh, next phase for our church is that we kind of made it through the startup. And so now we'll see more ministries being strengthened, more mission teams being sent. And so it should be a really cool season ahead of us. So I want to say a special thanks uh, too for all of you who have given to our uh, campus development fund. Um, If you see on your envelope, there's a number of different funds that we have. There's a hope offering, a general fund in campus development or serve like Jesus. And uh, maybe when you drove in on the campus, you noticed off to your right there, you saw that big dumpster in that uh, uh, there's a storage bin. So we're starting construction uh, at the tail end of this week and doing all the demo work. So you guys, we're going to get this building ready for our kids, youth, and adults as well before Christmas. So let's give a special thanks to everybody who gave towards that project. So it's really cool. So we're going to get to finish that project up. Um, hopefully... Um, For those of you that are interested and maybe you weren't able to be a part of it, if you want to be a part of it, I'd just say make sure that you give first to the general fund that makes sure all our ministry happens. But this, we're cleaning that facility out. It had a ton of stuff in storage and uh, it's got a backstory to it. I'll have to share with you another time. Uh, But uh, here we go. We're starting today in a message uh, that uh, is continuing on in our Truth For Life series uh, last week. Uh, we looked at, there was Jesus and, and pulled off that old Zach Williams song. And uh, Josh and the band did an awesome job on, on leading us through that. And we looked at Jesus being eternal and Jesus being creator. And today we're looking at Jesus being the light of our life. And in fact, there's a movie out right now called uh, The Light of My Life. I, I don't know if you've seen it or not. Uh, it's Casey Affleck. How many of you guys have seen that movie, The Light of My Life? Raise your hand. Good. Don't watch it. It's so boring. Literally, it's one of those things. How many of you times have you done that before? You start watching something and you're like, I should really turn this off. This is just boring. This is just no good. But you stay there anyway. And so I did that. So let me spare you some time. I don't know. I just don't. Casey was also the director of the film um, and he was the main star. And I mean, you got Ben and then you got Casey and Ben seems to do the blockbusters. Casey's a little different, you know, a little different but not my cup of tea. So anyway, enough about that. Today's message is, though, called the light of my life. And so I'm going to ask you, what is the light of your life? Is it your spouse? Is it a friend? Is it your job? Is it like, what is the light of your life? And so uh, the apostle John is going to um, present Jesus uh, with two really uh, critical terms as life and light. And I will um, help explain all that so we won't go very far today in the passage. But if you've got a Bible, I'd open it up or a smart device um, and follow along because I'll refer back to the verses quite a bit. So uh, the Gospel of John chapter 1 verses 4 through 9, it says, In him was life, 
and the light was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Uh, that is not uh, the Apostle John. That is John the Baptist that uh, the Apostle John is re- referencing. He describes him in verse 7. He says, he came as a witness to bear witness uh, about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, meaning John the Baptist, but came to bear witness about the light, that is Jesus. In verse 9, the true light, that is Jesus, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. And last week, if you were here, you learned that Jesus eternally existed, so we don't get Jesus all of a sudden at Bethlehem in the sweet little manger. No, Jesus eternally existed. Uh, He was there in the beginning, and that's how John starts. He says, in the beginning uh, was the Word, the Logos, and he's referring to Jesus. And so Jesus is the cool one who created the stars, created the heavens, created everything. And like I said last week, little baby Jesus is probably laying there in that manger and be like, I created that star that the wise man followed. He created everything. And so um, John's going to start out with saying, coming into the world, he's talking about the arrival of this great light, Jesus as the great light. What is awesome about the Bible is that um, this great light was predicted through the prophet Isaiah hundreds of years before Jesus ever showed up. And there was messianic times, meaning people were waiting on a Messiah, and uh, Jesus is that. Uh, So three uh, points I want to make about this passage that you need to know if you want to experience life and life to the fullest. Number one, that Jesus is life. And uh, it sounds pretty simple, but let me uh, go back into the passage. And if you've got a Bible, look there. John starts with this phrase and he says, in him. In him, referring to Jesus, in him was life. And the word life is actually mentioned some 36 times in John's gospel. And that's a lot. And so what that means is whatever is repeated is really important. So pay attention when uh, you see that kind of stuff. Uh, There are a few different words uh, in Greek for the word life. But here John uses this one uh, Greek word, and the word is zoe. I don't know if you've got any friends named Zoe or a, a pet named Zoe. Would you raise your hand? Anybody got a pet or a friend? Yeah. Okay, great. So it's a great name. It really is. Zoe in the Greek, the word actually refers to spiritual life. Um, so when John says in him, that is Jesus, was life, what he's saying is in Jesus it was Zoe. Zoe means a spiritual life. It's a different word than he could have used which is bios, uh, perhaps where we get the word biology, and that refers to physical life. And so what John is doing is he's establishing who Jesus is, uh, the power of his life, and throughout his gospel, listen to this, every time you see the word uh, uh, life, 99% of the time, it's going to be the word zoe. Um, so the famous classic Bible verse that we uh, perhaps know or are familiar with, the John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal Zoe, that is spiritual life. Or the one passage, perhaps you've heard it before, when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, that is Zoe. Again, he could have used other words, but he uses that. Jesus is the life. John's trying to make a point. You're not going to find any life in life 
and for eternity other than in Jesus. And you and I perhaps look to other people or other things in order to feel life. I'm going to ask you a question. What, what brings you life? Like what fulfills your life? Is it people? Is it family? Is it career? Is it job? Is it money? Is it success? Is it power? Is it influence? What brings you life? Well, what the Bible says is that Jesus is the source. He is the abundant life. In fact, John 10, 10, one of my favorite passages is Jesus says, I came to give life, Zoe, again, and to give it abundantly. What does that mean? That means that if you and I want life to the fullest, the best life now, you need Jesus. You've got to have Jesus. You can have a good life, but the best life is in Jesus. And he gives spiritual life here and now. We have a mystical faith about our experience with Christianity that Jesus has um, been uh, uh, crucified, buried, and risen again. He gives us the Holy Spirit. But the, the scripture tells us that Jesus is the source of life, and he gives us spiritual life, abundant life here and now, but also in the life to come. And so all throughout the scriptures is this usage of the word uh, Zoe or life. So number one, Jesus is life. If you want life here and now and to come, you have to have Jesus. Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am, help me out, the life. He is the life. There is no other life that you can find to the magnitude that you will find in Jesus. That's point number one. Number two, I would say, is that Jesus is the light of the world. I think it's seven different times that John mentions the word light in that short little passage that I just read. Um, so light is, uh, maybe you've heard uh, people say before, uh, man, when I came to faith in Christ or when I became a believer, I saw the, help me out. Let's try that again. Man, when I first became a Christian, I was leaving darkness and I saw the light. Then you got that old Hank Williams song. And uh, he, you know, it came uh, from his backstory of drunkenness and debauchery. He was at rock bottom. His life was a train wreck. He was an alcoholic. And he turns towards the Lord and he writes a song called I Saw the Light. And so that's where we get that song. And so it's a story about him experiencing salvation. So light, when you read in the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, it typically refers to God's salvation. So light typically refers to God's salvation or it's uh, God's righteousness in and through the person of Jesus Christ. Darkness, on the other hand, in the Bible refers to Satan, death, and destruction. Um, and John always compares and contrasts life, death, uh, light, darkness. And so John is helping us understand life and light. And in one of Jesus' most famous sermons, you probably heard it before, when Jesus says, I am the light of the world, right? Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I think light to me is an amazing metaphor for Jesus. Um, while Thomas Edison may have invented the light bulb, Jesus invented the light, literally. It took Tom some 10,000 tries before he got the light bulb to turn on, and that's awesome. And we always applaud that and quote that, especially business leaders, so that they can focus on perseverance and knowing that every failure is just another door shut and you should just keep going. However, look at Jesus. Jesus nailed it on his first try. When he said uh, in the beginning, and he said, let there be light, and there was light. 
Jesus is eternal. He's creator. He's the one who spoke it into existence according to the Apostle Paul, according to uh, the Apostle John. Jesus is in your creation account. And perhaps this is why uh, commentators have always said, oh, let us make man in our image, that us is plural. So therefore the Trinity was involved in all the creation, but Jesus is the carpenter. Jesus is the creator. Jesus is the craftsman. He's the one who makes things. So Jesus spoke and there is light and he nailed it on the first try. Um, I think one thing is important to, to realize is that light in the Bible and life always go together. And it's a, it's a natural reality that presents a spiritual uh, truth. So let me illustrate. When John says, in him was life, and the light was the light of men, what he's doing is he's connecting, in verse 4, he's connecting uh, life and light together. So when you read life and light, you ought to put them together for Christian theology. Um, let me just illustrate this from the natural world perspective. Science tells us that sun rays... Um, that without sun rays, without the sun, all photosynthesis of the earth would stop. This means that plants would die if the sun stopped shining. Uh, eventually, all the animals would die. The plants of the food, because they needed the plants, including humans, would die too. My point is saying without the sun, we don't have light. And without light, there is no life. Um, John is trying to make a point here. Um, let me further this illustration. Um, did you know that more than 200 people move into Phoenix every single day, making Phoenix the fifth largest city in the United States? I know there's a bunch of reasons as to why people are moving to our, our city. Um, I'd say one is the biggest reason that uh, I think is pertinent to our situation and what we're talking about is the word light. We are called the Valley of the... So you got it. Uh, we got sunshine 296 days out of the year. A lot of people move here because of uh, uh, some kind of seasonal depression from the Northwest. They're tired of the rain and the cold or come from the Midwest and they're, they're coming in 200 a day. Um, my point in saying all this is that light and life go together. And this is essential. If you want life here and now, you need the light of Jesus in your life big time. And everybody's going to claim that they know the lights and experience light. And in fact, this is why uh, there's so much been temptation and confusion because every, for everything that Jesus does or God does, uh, Satan will counterfeit it. So this is why in world religions all around the world, for example, in Hinduism, Buddhism, Druids of England, the Aztecs of Mexico, the Incas of Peru, and many Native Americans incorporate sun or the great light worship. At some level, there's all sorts of religions that are integrating kind of a worship of the great light. And in fact, in John's day, when he was writing about Jesus being this great light, the true light, um, one of their greatest gods in uh, paganism of the Greco-Roman Empire was these Greek mythology gods that they would have. Uh, Helios, uh, the, sun, the god of the sun, who rode his chariot across the sky, each day and night. So when the sun rose, they would believe that that was, a, a, in a sense, the, the activity of God. And so there's always been a lot of worship of this. But in Greek uh, mythology, there was the god of Apollo or Sol. And this whole practice of sun worship has always happened worldwide at some level. I'll explain a little bit more. The Native Americans, for example, if I was to go and be a missionary on a Native American uh, nation, I would probably start with Jesus' light. 
so I can go ahead and crush their idol right away. That's where I'd go. Because, but they would understand that God is like light because they in themselves actually worship uh, the God of the sun and do a sun dance. Or take Japan, for example. The Japanese still to this day show their respects to a shrine of a mythological goddess of the sun, Ama Terasu. But what's alarming is you look at the darkness that is involved in this counterfeit God through the sun and this light, is if you do a little history and look at uh, the Aztecs of Mexico, uh, they would make human sacrifices to their sun god some 18 times a year. Uh, They would uh, sacrifice uh, 60 people each time. And I found it interesting in just thinking about this is that it's interesting to me that they would do this 18 times a year, and that number is 6 plus 6 plus 6. That makes 666. My point being is never make any mistake um, that evil has a name. His name is Satan, and his number is 666. Um, And this is all in the effort to worship the sun god, to appease him through death of individuals. So there are many uh, religions that have claimed that their god is the god of all light. John is actually powering through the culture and proclaiming Jesus as the true light above every other light deity they claim to be. So for the pagan Roman, they're like, well, that does make sense. We had a God of light too, but Jesus is different. And so John is trying to get us to see that. Let's pick up in um, kind of going on. Well, I'll just show you uh, that it's historically uh, proven that people will tend to either worship someone or something. So we always see, uh, this is why in, in Sedona, they're going to worship the big rocks or the God of the spiritual force behind that. Or sometimes they worship other people. This is why cult followings uh, raise up because they love certain individuals and they literally like worship them. Um, even John the Baptist, FYI, had a cult following. If you look in the book of Acts, by the time we get to uh, the church in Ephesus, uh, the apostle Paul points out that all these folks are trying to follow in John's baptism, but they haven't made a public identification with Jesus Christ because people tend and trend to worship someone or something. Um, so this is a normal part of the spiritual experience is that uh, there's counterfeit gods and we need to worship the right one. So, which leads me to the next point, is that you need to know that Jesus dispels all darkness. In other words, Jesus is light. The power of Jesus always pushes back, and darkness cannot overcome Jesus nor his church. So, the story of Christianity is that Jesus is the great light. Jesus, his followers, are also light as well. And so, when John said, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. What he's saying is that the light dispels the spiritual darkness of the world. So darkness is sharp contrast to light. Again, John always contrasts life, death, light, darkness. And you know, and I know, even till this day, right, the light represents good and darkness represents evil. Like it's always been that way in so many different ways. I mean, this is why even in Star Wars, Star Wars, there's a warning for young Jedi Anakin not to go to the dark, help me out, don't go to the dark side. Uh, this has been around forever, this is, but what's unique about Jesus is he is the great light. Um, in scripture, light represents Jesus and his righteousness, while dark, darkness represents sinfulness of man and the works of Satan. 
when John says that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it, what he's saying is sin and Satan will not overcome Jesus. Sin and Satan won't overcome the church. Sin and Satan won't overcome the believer because the light of Christ is far more powerful than any darkness that we could experience and see. Um, let me illustrate the power of light and the uniqueness about it from a physical standpoint. Uh, light is said to travel at the speed of, I don't know, does anybody know how fast it can travel? It's at a speed of 186,000 miles per second, not per hour. That's super fast. Um, I, I know fast, a little bit fast, uh, like... I remember in high school, I had a friend who drove a Corvette and it was like supercharged and had nitro in it. And this is pre-Jesus. And I remember cruising that thing. I think we got to 160. Now, my wife doesn't drive that fast, but she drives fast. And if you see her around town, she's like buzzes around. And I'm always like, sweetie, you drive so fast. You got a North Valley sticker on there. Like, and then, you, you know, like I'm like, it's tough on the brakes. It's bad on the gas. And she's like, Ryan, you drive so slow. And she is right. I have been honked at on I-17, like going 55 over there. And they're just like, get out of the way. You all, you're not that old. What are you? What, uh, why are you driving like this? Um, but fast is fast. And, and the speed of light is incredibly fast. I started thinking about like how fast is fast. What's the fastest thing in the world? Like the, so we could better understand Jesus being light. And he, Jesus moves in at the speed of light in a sense. And I found out there's this Lockheed uh, SR-71 Blackbird jet. It's the fastest aircraft in the world. The thing goes to Mach 3. It's uh, more than 2,100 miles per hour. Just to put that in perspective, if you're flying on a commercial airline, that uh, Blackbird flies four times as fast. Just, just shoot by you. You wouldn't even see it. it just, just You'd hear it. Uh, that's 2,100 miles per hour. So imagine just like you just want to fly that thing or you want to ride in that thing. So imagine you're on a mission trip over to, uh, say, uh, Kenya, East Africa. You say, hey, I'm going to go on a mission trip. Somebody says, hey, you know, come with me over to Nairobi. It's an equator capital city of Kenya. And they say, I've got a Blackbird jet. And would you like to take a flight? And you're like, yeah, I'd like to see how fast is that fast. This is the fastest thing in the world. This would be awesome. So you get in the jet. And then the guy says to you, hey, um, we can fly around the world. And you're like, well, that'd be cool. I'd like to fly around the world. How how long do you think that's going to take? Well, we can follow the equator line. It would take actually about 11 hours to do. Imagine that. 11 hours, you could say, I traveled the world in one day. Now, what's interesting to me is to go back to John's gospel when he talks about Jesus being light uh, that dispels darkness at the speed of light, in a sense. Jesus moves into dark areas of people's lives and around the world. This is why Christianity is the largest religion of the whole world and will always be. I believe far more people will be in heaven than will be in hell because of the preeminence, the prominence of Jesus Christ. I think the name of Jesus is the name above all names, and he will win in every area and arena of life. And the power of light is amazing. So let's go back to that analogy just for a second. Catch this. Let's go back to the John's gospel idea when Jesus is called light that dispels darkness. We know in modern day uh, understanding through science that light travels at 186,000 miles per second. That's really fast. While the Blackbird jet could fly you around the world in 11 hours. Imagine if you could get into a jet or some kind of vehicle that could shoot you around the earth at light speed. That would be awesome. So maybe you're thinking maybe the DeLorean from Back to the Future could do it, but I don't think so. 
Nothing can travel at the speed of light. It's been attempted, but imagine you could get into a vehicle that could travel at the speed of light. That means um, that while you could go ele- uh, 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 around the earth in 11 hours in that jet, imagine if you could go the speed of light, you would go around the earth in one second compared to 11 hours if you traveled at the speed of light. But not just one time, in one second, if you traveled the speed of light, you could go around the earth 7.5 times. That's how fast the speed of light is. I think the powerful analogy is that Christianity is fast. It grew to the fastest, largest religion of the world in the first century. Scholars, uh, sociologists, anthropologists, historians, theologians all go into great debate about the power and the light of Jesus Christ. You want to know what makes Christianity so special? Jesus. Because he's the light of the world. You know what makes Christianity so special? Believers, Christians, are the light of the world. That's what Jesus said. He said, if you walk in with me, then you won't walk in darkness. You will walk in the light. So let me break this down for you. John is saying, in a sense, that when the light of Jesus Christ penetrates the darkness, all darkness is disintegrated. All darkness is vaporized. It's catechismically kapoofed. It's gone because the power of Christ is so strong. Darkness can't stand up to the light of Jesus. Uh, nor the church. God's power is unimaginable. It's unmatched. He is consuming power. He's infinite energy, the greatest level of intensity. He is the light of the world. Amen? That's powerful stuff. Yet here's the sad reality. The world loves the darkness. I don't know if you've ever uh, seen a problem before with an infestation of perhaps roaches or rats, but you'll know that they like the dark. And then when you flip the lights on, what happens? They run. The world loves darkness. In John 3.19, I'll paraphrase it for you. The apostle John said, this is the verdict. In other words, this is the final uh, judgment call that light has come into the world. That is Jesus. But the people loved the darkness instead of the light because their deeds were evil. Um, also, throughout the, not only John declares that the world's wrapped up in darkness and soaked in darkness, steeped in darkness, thinking in darkness, um, the Apostle Paul also pushed on the idea that's what's happened in the first century for the church in Rome. There were so many people, literally, that their hearts were darkened, is what he said. Now that their heart grew dark, um, and they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. I think what's happening in our culture today is that the, the heart has been darkened, There's almost been a delight in evil, a satisfaction in what's unholy and unright, and then we've exchanged truth for a lie. I told you before, we are not in a postmodern culture anymore. We are in a post-truth culture. Truth doesn't matter anymore. There's a great darkness over that ideology, and Satan is weaving it in. And do you know how he's, he's deceiving so many people? He's darkening the hearts of individuals that don't care anymore about what is right and wrong. And they've abandoned truth, and they've darkened the mind. And so Apostle Paul said that in Ephesians 8, 4, 8 through 19. And he talked about the, the closed minds and the hardness uh, and the darkening of the mind. And so here's what I've noticed in, in the physical life and in the spiritual life. There's a deep connection. Um, when you read about darkness in the scriptures, then you're going to find sin, shame, sorrow, and Satan. And in real life, when you're going to look at darkness, actually you're going to find sin, shame, darkness, and, and Satan. 
You're going to find it there. Um, so let me ask you some questions. I did some research about crime and, and some uh, deep level sins of our world. I'm going to ask you the question and you just respond and tell me what you think the answer is. I've done this in all three services. I believe you're probably the best and the brightest of the three. So I think you're going to be able to get this, okay? Um, guess when most of the violent crimes occur. Do they occur at, in daylight or darkness? You got it. Um, according to research, violent crimes peak at 9 p.m. They drop to a low point at 6 a.m. right when the light of day starts to shine down. Crime happens in the dark. Let's go further. Guess when most people visit the old strip club? Daylight or darkness? You got it. Uh, most of these places are hidden in secluded areas so that no one sees your car out front and you can do whatever you want. Guess when uh, most people view pornography online, daylight or darkness? You've got it. Uh, it darkness, again, it's uh, midnight to about 2 a.m. is the highest trafficked area for pornography during that time frame. The devil loves to work in the dark. Just a side note, porn is uh, three times more popular among men than it is women. Some of you have some dark areas of your life that need to be greatly exposed. And what you're being challenged with right now is you're uncomfortable because I'm exposing because light is starting to shine. You could feel like a rat or a roach when you're around other believers that are living a life that's really honoring and godly. I remember when I first became a Christian, um, or prior to knowing, becoming a Christian, I remember spending time with other really strong Christians, and I felt very uncomfortable around them because my life was so messed up. Um, there's a powerful effect that takes place with light and darkness. And so I want to encourage you to lean in because the life that you need and the life that you want is living in the light and getting out of darkness. But listen to how sinister this gets um, for darkness and the physical reality echoing and showing us the spiritual reality. Guess when uh, most people think about killing themselves, um, daylight or darkness? Darkness. According to Google, the highest search time frame for questions like, how do I kill myself? How do I commit suicide? Happen not in the daylight hours, but always in the dark. I believe there's a demonic and, and satanic influence over our culture right now that wants to keep people mentally uh, uh, darkened, their hearts darkened. This is why even in the psalmist says, blessed is the man who does not delight in evil or sit in the seat of scoffers. What have we done? We don't care about goodness and righteousness and the truth of God. And what we do is delight in evil. So we watch movies that are evil. We listen to music that is evil. Our minds are darkened. Our hearts are darkened. And all of a sudden, we've kind of like, kind of been desensitized. And if you don't, I mean, pornography is a great example of deep being desensitized. So every decision that you make, I believe it goes into two directions. One is the decision that you make determines your direction is in the light, or the decisions that you make, the behaviors that you choose, they go into darkness. And so you have to determine what kind of direction do you want in life. And I would argue the greatest life that you're ever going to have is a life that moves in the direction and decisions backing them up and pushing them towards living in the light. And so darkness is a real deal. Satan said that uh, Satan came to kill, steal, and destroy, and that's what he's doing. We have the highest rate of suicides in our younger generation and population, and because it's blinded the minds of so many different people. 
and calloused and darkened the heart. So I want to challenge you. Here's uh, what I want to challenge you to do. There's three questions I want you to start asking yourself starting tomorrow morning at work or at home. And they're questions related to our, our situation here. Number one is the life question. Ask yourself, am I living the life that, uh, that I believe I, I should live? Am I living the life that I envision for myself and my family? Am I living the life I think that God wants for me? Am I living the life? Jesus said, I came to give life and to give it abundantly. Are you, are you, are you in that direction? Are you going in that direction? Um, I've got a blue chair in my room. It's my thinking chair. Uh, I know that when I sit down in that chair is where I can deliberately think about questions of life. Um, I'm on the front porch is where me and my wife talk or sometimes on the back porch. But that's where we have the conversations for me about what happened at the blue chair. It's asking these questions about life. Remember, decisions determine the direction of your life. Um, Let me ask you another question as it uh, contains to life. Does the actions or the behaviors that you're doing, does it bring you life? Does it really fulfill you? Whatever you're doing, whatever you're, you're, you're believing in or doing, is that bringing life and fulfillment into you? God doesn't want you just holy. He also wants you happy. He wants you to know blessing. And the blessed life is in the life that's following Jesus Christ and walking the path of holiness. So that leads to my second question I challenge you to ask yourself is the darkness question. What is dark in your heart? Everybody's got strengths in this room. Some of you are very, very gifted. But for every strength, there's a shadow. Everybody's got shadows. Areas of their life they're not proud of. Areas of life they're embarrassed. Everybody's got weaknesses. Everybody's got shadows. So you should ask the question, what is dark in my heart? Is, am I hiding something? Is there something I'd be ashamed of if it came to light? Ask yourself those darkness questions. Then make a decision today to say, I don't want to live like that. I don't want to make a decision that will start to determine my direction in darkness. Darkness is death, according to the Bible. Uh, so you make a decision, I'm going to turn away from that darkness, I'm going to walk towards the light. And the light is the life of Jesus Christ. The light is, is living according to God's word. The light is, is letting Jesus work in and through you. But in order to be transformed, you need to conform. You've got to let Jesus do his work in you. He is the creator. He is the craftsman. You are his masterpiece. He's the one he's, you're the one he's wanting to work with. And so you just have to ask your, just your question, am I, am I living in the dark? It's called a red flag moment for, by some psychologists. It's like, is there a red flag in your heart about an issue? Say you're meeting with somebody, you're doing something, or have an invitation, but there's a check in your spirit. Um, we've said this idiom before, uh, man, I, I kind of like I had a red flag kind of go off. Well, what is a red flag? A red flag in military terms was the days when they would raise a red flag to indicate to everybody else that there's danger. And it's not safe. I believe that the Holy Spirit's trying to raise a red flag in your heart right now in some area of your life. Why? Because nobody's perfect. Nobody's holy completely. And so my encouragement is in the darkness question, if there's a red flag moment, you just ought to slow down and just say, Lord, what what do I need to do? I, I I don't feel good about that. There's a check in my spirit. That's the Holy Spirit trying to help you. Number three, I would just say, ask the light question. Ask the question, am I being a light? Am I being a light to other people? Jesus said that you are the light of the world. 
He said he was the light of the world, but he also says every believer is the light of the world. And so are you making a difference? I know that all of us really want to make a difference in life for the most part. But the greatest difference that you'll ever make is helping people connect to life. And the greatest way that you're going to influence people is not by what you say, it's by what you help me out do. And so ask yourself the question, am I being a light to other people, the people at my work, the people in my family, the people in my extended family, the people on social media? Am I open and honest with myself that I want to be a light to other people? So I just challenge you to ask one of those three questions, uh, perhaps this afternoon, whatever one's pressed you the most, and then start making some decisions that will help determine your direction in life. Amen? Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word and the truthfulness of it, how practical and applicational it is when we slow down and think about it. I pray for those that uh, need the light of Jesus Christ in their life to shine in a greater way. And for those of you that are wanting God's light in your life more, would you pray a prayer with me just silently for a moment? Lord, I need you to be the light of my life. I acknowledge my great need for you. I have areas of darkness and shame that I'm not proud of. I believe in you, that you can heal me with the light of your life. Forgive me of my sin. I confess you today as my Lord of my life. I confess you today as the light of my life. Shine in me and shine through me. In the mighty name of Jesus, everybody said... Amen. Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give today at northvalleychurch.org.